This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We've been running a theme, uh, we continue it and, cl- and conclude it today, titled Evidence. Evidence. If you could turn in our Bibles to Exodus, the third chapter. Exodus, the third chapter, we're going to read quite a lot of Exodus chapter 3 this morning. If you are there, just shout, I'm there. Exodus is the third book of the Bible. The first one is the contents page. Don't be ashamed to go to the contents page. (laughs) Praise God. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the, Lord, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry of their, because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you, When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, that you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they shall heed your voice, and you shall come 
and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of, he- of the Hebrews has, set, has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Amen. We pick, actually, just to introduce my message title this morning, the title of my message is, Yes, He Is, and He is Good for It. Yes, He Is, and He is Good for It. I felt like my message was being um, sung and preached as we were um, going through the song list in our worship this morning. And so let's find out why or who he is and why he is good for it. We pick up this pretty common story of the burning bush experience that Moses had. And we see a man, Moses, who has an encounter with God that causes a huge shift in his life and in the life of the Israelites. Reading in Genesis, we know that God made a promise to Abraham that in his childless state, he would have many descendants, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. God God goes further uh, in speaking to the childless father of many nations in Genesis 15.13. says, then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also reading in, uh, in Genesis, we know the account of how the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, ended up in Egypt. Jacob, who was um, Abraham's grandchild, had a dreamer of a son. He had a dreamer of a son who he favored, and his brothers were jealous of him, and one day decided that let's kill him. But one of his brothers said, no, let's not kill him. Rather, let's sell him off to the merchants on their way to Egypt. The merchants took him to Egypt, and through various Events, he became the prime minister in Egypt. He prepared Egypt for a time of seven years of lack, and it is in this time of famine that he was reunited with his family, and the rest of the family then relocated to Egypt. uh, Joseph then died, and another king who had no knowledge of Joseph was in place, and he was concerned at the might and strength of the Israelites and their potential threat that he said, let's make them slaves. Let's put taskmasters over them. Pharaoh also being concerned about their future increase, as Exodus 1 tells us, he instructs the midwives of the Hebrew women to say whenever a Hebrew woman gives birth, if it is a boy, they must kill them, and if it's a girl, let them live. But the midwives, being those that feared God, did not listen to this, and they came up with an excuse to say, hey, these Hebrew women, by the time we get there, it's done. Then he gave another instruction and says, fine, every boy must be put on the rivers. A woman had a son and hid him for three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she put him on the ark on the riverbank. Through some interestingly random uh, circumstances, Pharaoh's daughter decides to keep this child, and they look for a Hebrew woman to nurse the child, and guess who it is? The mother. He's raised in Pharaoh's household, and when he's grown up, he started going out to his own kind, and he developed a burden for his people when he saw what was happening. In Exodus 2, we are told of an incident where he sees an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man, and looking around, he saw no one, and he decided to kill the Egyptian and bury him in the sand. The next day, he went out again, and there were two Hebrews now fighting amongst themselves. 
and he tries to intervene, and then a statement is said to him that probably plays in his mind for many years. The statement was, who made you prince and judge over us? Who made you prince and judge over us? He fled to Midian and then got married there and had a son and then had the burning bush experience. In the text we read, God outlines how he has heard the cries of the people and how the sovereign God had re-entered the fray at this point to get involved in the affairs of his children. After he outlines all this, how he's going to take them out, Moses asked a question that many of us have asked ourselves or even asked others. Why me? Why me? Will they listen to me? Why me? Moses asks in Exodus 3, 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? This is probably because of that comment that's found in Egyptian 240. Egyptian, wow. Wow. <laughs> See, when you have such a revelation, you've got your own books of the Bible. Exodus 2.14. Praise <laughs> God. Who made you a prince and judge over us? God, when I go to these people, they, what if they say that to me again? God doesn't go and justify Moses by saying, you know what? I saved you from being killed. When you were meant to be killed uh, at birth, I saved you. You are the chosen one because of that. Oh, you were raised in Pharaoh's house. Oh, you even had a burden for the people. Remember, remember. No, 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 he says, you know what? I will, I will be with you. That was his response to him saying, why should I be the one? He says, I will certainly be with you. That's how he justified him. That's how he, he set the record set to say, it's not about you. It's not about your credibility. It is not your responsibility. It is mine. Because if he had justified and said, it is because at birth you were saved and that this, this happened, then it is on his responsibility and it is on the strength of Moses that you would have to do that. Moses asks again and says, uh, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? It's quite interesting that he's already identified who it is, right? But he still asks. This is because when we, when we read in the Old Testament, we see how names are very, very important. It points to a person's disposition, mission and life and more. Someone's name showed a person's attributes. God has many experiential names that one would give based on the attributes they would have experienced. For example, Abraham has an encounter on the mountain when he's about to sacrifice his son. He finds a ram in the thicket and he had a revelation of Jehovah, the provider. So we will shout and say, hey, Jehovah Jireh. That came from that experiential knowledge. So Moses is asking, what attributes should I reflect to the elders when they ask, who is this that wants to deliver us? The Israelites knew that this situation was temporary because God had promised so. As Joseph was about to die in Genesis 50, 24, he says, and Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land which, of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So the promise of this covenant and leaving Egypt had filtered to the generations. Now having known this, I suspect that in the course of the time that they were in Egypt, there are probably some people who tried to rally up others and say, 
Let's get out of this place. Remember, God promised us, I think we should go now. They've probably tried to rally uh, them and they would explain how they had some superpower backing them and rally them and promise them things and say, you know what, let's go. If we go out of here, maybe we can give you some skippers. <laughs> oh, you know what, I've got a superpower who I met who says they'll give us 15 billion and we'll get out of this place. Just think about the number of times that you and I have tried to take matters into our own hands in trying to orchestrate God's divine plans. Zechariah 4 declares, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So when God says it's time to leave this place, it may have been like how some are feeling, like another prophetic word. Or Ed, what about the last one? How many times have we been told that it's time to leave Egypt? It's like ah, another prophetic word. Hey, guys, do they really work? So when Moses asked God, whom shall I send me? Look at God's response in Exodus 3, 14 and 15, and we'll look at it in the NLT. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. In this, God reveals his eternal name. The name is to be remembered for all generations. This name reflects the attributes and character that he wants the Israelites to know and to trust in as he delivers them from the hand of the oppressor. Are we together? Let's just take a quick look at some of these meanings which translate to the attributes or the things implied by this name. This name is derived from the Hebrew word for I am, coming from the verb which means to exist, be, become. He is eternal. He has, he is, and he will be. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It speaks of presence. He is our ever-present help in times of need. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. It speaks about one who is involved in human struggles. It speaks about how he is unchanging. He is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the father of lights in whom there is no variable or shadow of turning. It speaks of authority, 2 Chronicles 20 uh, verse 6 says, and it says, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms and all the of, all, of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Hey, power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand <laughs> against you. No one. He's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I made him prosper. Remember when Lot chose the land, but he still made him prosper. He fulfilled the promise he made to him that you shall have a descendant. And that was a seemingly, seemingly difficult promise. He's the God of Isaac. The Isaac that we know who prospered in the land of famine. He's the God of Jacob who he gave a strategy and caused, and caused him to prosper under a shifty, inconsistent boss. 
One day, this is your salary. The next, actually, it's not quite that. Or who gives this bride away? <laughs> the father declares, I do. <laughs> but the next day, when he's like, oh, oops. But God is a covenant keeper. It speaks of integrity. Integrity can be simply defined as doing what you said you would do and being whole and undivided. Look at this. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Looking at these attributes, these are exactly what the Israelites needed in a deliverer. That he needed an, an eternal God who was, is, and will be. Because imagine while they're on their way out, their God then dies on them. <laughs> they needed a, 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 a present God who would lead them out and be with them. It's a pillar of fire and maybe a cloud. They needed one who would be involved in their affairs and affliction. They needed one who was unchanging and wouldn't change his mind midway. To say, you know what, actually, you guys are, uh, you, uh, you, I, I, I'm, I'm done with you, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. They needed someone with authority over a king so that he would release them. They needed someone who would keep to his word and do what he promised and one who was undivided. This is who he is, even to this day. When I look at these attributes, two main words I can think of, there's four, but I'll start with two, I, that he is faithful and dependable. He is faithful and he is dependable. I was expecting someone to shout, you know the shouts that happen when, you know, when, when, when the DJ plays your favorite song, sorry, I mean when, your worship lead, when the worship leader sings your favorite song. Someone was expecting because he is faithful and dependable. <laughs> Just in case there are those whose English data bundle has depleted. Vaka tendeka, uye vano tembeka, he is faithful and dependable. I believe that these are the things that God wants to reassure us as we run dependable. Even in Israel's unfaithfulness, when they even tried and murmured against him, were sinful, he remained faithful to them and to his word and to his words. Even when we didn't know it, when we were unfaithful to him, he remained faithful to us. Even in a world where things change without notice, and has disclaimers that this could change without notification or clauses that you will be informed of the changes, you'll be given three months' notice, or in Zim where things can change in the midst of a speech, he remains faithful and he's dependable. He remains faithful and dependable. Talking about the speech I made last week, by the way. He doesn't change his mind. He isn't double-minded. There is no confusion with him, what he says, he will do. He means what he says, and he will do what he says. He, did, he doesn't conform based on circumstances, economics, or, or economies, or situations. He sees these things, 
But his ways are higher than our ways. He sees covenant, he sees promise, and not mamire zinu. He doesn't see the prevailing circumstance. Yes, he sees it, but what's more important to him is covenant, promise, and purpose. When Moses and Aaron met some initial resistance to the leaving of Egypt, in fact, the, the Pharaoh made things harder for them because he said, you want to go and worship your God. It means that you are idle. You don't have work to do. So we're going to increase your workload. God appears again and speaks to Moses and Aaron in Exodus 6, 1 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel from the Egyptians whom they keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem them with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel but they did not hear Moses because of anguish or spirit and cruel bondage. So God repeats himself here for assurance to Moses and Aaron. Not because he was trying to convince himself. It wasn't one of those repeat, repeat it until you believe it. Fake it till you make it. No, no, no. Him speaking once is enough. Isaiah 58, 55, 8 to 11 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my, are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, when God releases his word, he doesn't just wait and leave it to chance to say, ah, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, maybe, maybe not. But Jeremiah 1.12 says, in the NASB it says, Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The NLT put it this way, and the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out my plans. I will certainly carry out my plans. Psalm 138 verse 2 goes on and said, it shows us that he has magnified his word above his name. This is why it's very dangerous for us to speak on behalf of God when God has not spoken or inspired it. Second Peter 2 shows the punishments of false prophets. The danger of false prophets and people falsifying the representation of God is that God's word then becomes common to you and I. But anyway, let's leave that there and we'll get into that in a few minutes. The other two things that we can derive from the declaration that God made concerning his name 
are that he has authority and he has the ability. The definition of authority as given by Oxford is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. <laughs> God would tell Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. This was a sign of, you see, if, if, if you, I can't go to my boss and command That's probably looking for demotion or, or something. I can't go and command, but I can request, ask, and petition. But here God is commanding, tell him, let my people go. Because he is higher, his authority is higher than the highest authority that Egypt had. Proverbs 21 tells us that the harvest king is in the hand of God, and like a stream of water, he turns it whichever way he wills. God hardened Pharaoh's heart and directed his heart as the scripture said. And in that time, God multiplied his signs and wonders and really showcased his ability. The magicians would try and replicate what God would do by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And when they threw their rods on the ground, hey, guess what? They all were snakes, right? But hey, there's a snake that ate the others. They did what God would do until a certain point after the second plague they could not because their ability is limited their ability they got from whatever God they would worship was limited but we serve a limitless God we serve a limitless God God is almighty and all powerful the creator of heaven and earth yes even the highest heavens there is no limit to his power and authority and the evidence is there for all to see. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, be understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is not res restricted by impossibility or difficulty. In fact, God says something, and Sarah laughs in Genesis 18.20-14, and says, Hey, she said to herself, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, oh, being old also? And the Lord said to him, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely be a child, since I am old? And God says, is anything too difficult for me? Is anything too hard for me? <laughs> Jeremiah 32, 27 says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Luke 18, 1827 says, but he said the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. See, God is not restricted. He is not limited by circumstances that limit man. With man it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. From these scriptures, it has led me to declare, since he is faithful and dependable, and he has the authority and the ability. It has led me to declare that yes, he is. And he is good for it. See, there are some people who are faithful and dependable. But they have a limit because of their capacity. You know that if I call this person for A, B, C, and D, they will deliver at any time. But if I ask them for X, Y, and Z, ah. It's a bit above 
their level, right? There are people like that. For what they can do, they are faithful and dependable. But they are limited. God now is faithful and dependable. And he has authority and ability without limit. What is it that God has promised you? What evidence of God's word are you waiting for? Has he promised you a child, but nothing has happened? You keep trying, but nothing has happened. Let me tell you this, he is faithful, and he is dependable, and he is good for it. Genesis 18, 14, when he says, is anything too difficult for me, he was probably talking to people, not probably, but most definitely talking to people who are way older than you, who were trying for a child. And he says, is anything too difficult for me? We know that children are a heritage from the Lord. And scripture also tells us in Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. <laughs> Did he promise you a seat at the table, a promotion, a position? Let your faith arise today as you remember that he is faithful and dependable and he is good for it. He is Jehovah Rehoboth who makes room for us. And not only does he make room for us, he causes us to be fruitful. Genesis 26, 22 says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. What has he promised you? Has he promised you a possession of land? Psalm 24 says, the earth is, is, is the Lord's and it's all its fu fullness. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. And Isaiah 66, one says, the earth is his footstool. Hey. If you've got a footstool at home, it's probably stitched and may have drawing pins under it. <laughs> if your child is doing a school project and they need a drawing pin and you've got, all you have is the footstool. How difficult is it to turn it over Find a knife and take out the drawing pin and give it to your child. The earth is the footstool of the Lord. Would he deny us a piece of land? Drawing pin, stitch. Ah. He is faithful and dependable. If he has promised you a possession of land, surely he will come through for you because he is faithful and dependable. He has the authority and the ability. Has he promised to take you to a new place or move you from where you are, but it seems like you are stuck? Maybe he's given you the nations, but your business is struggling to get out of Harare. Nations! Harare. Isaiah 45, 2 says, And I will go before you and make the crooked path straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. So he's saying, I will remove the restriction about you. I will remove it. If I promised it, I am faithful to my word. So if he said it to you, take courage today. Believe, him, believe in him again. Believe that indeed he can break through for you. David says, as the waters have broken, so has my Lord broken through for me. He is the Lord of breakthrough. He is the Lord of breakthrough. Revelation 3, 7 tells us that he has the key of David. He has the key of David. He opens things that no man can shut, and he can shut things that no man can open. He is faithful, and he is dependable. And he has the key. <laughs> has he promised to supply all your needs 
according to his riches and glory, but azima. <laughs> Here's the thing, he's faithful and dependable. You see, let me just remind you that God is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He is not struggling to get by. <laughs> he's not lacking, he, he owns cattle upon a thousand hills. I mean, Revelations tells us that the streets of heaven are paved with gold. Imagine, paved with gold. Ah, surely for me, God, you can just create a temporary pothole. <laughs> so you can take care of my needs. He is faithful and he is dependable. He's not bound to whether it's bond or U.S. dollar or rand or whatever it is. He can supply all your needs. <laughs> he promises us that your cup will run over. <laughs> Has he promised you something bigger than you can comprehend and now you are in doubt as to whether he actually wants to give it to you? Luke 12, 32 says, do not worry. Do not fear, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The NLT says it this way. For it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Ah, but now we walk around saying, ah, but God, if it is your will, I know if, if it is your will. Ah, if not, then it's fine. No, 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 no. It is his great happiness. Has God promised you victory in a particular area, but uh, you are facing a persecutor who has been hunting you down, looking to utterly destroy you. You seem defeated on all counts. I re remember a big prosecutor of the faith who would give commands to kill the saints, but he had an encounter with Jesus on a road, and he became, you went from being the biggest prosecutor to the biggest protagonist. I also remember a story <laughs> in the book of Esther where Haman prepared, he prepared it all to say, right, I'm going to get rid of Mordecai. And the king asked him, so what should be done for someone whom the king desires to honor? And he's like, right, I've been wanting to be taken through the city. So I'm going to tell him this, but hey, guess what? His biggest opponent is the one who then took him on a victory parade. If God promised it, remember he's Jehovah Nisi. <laughs> Coming to the end of the year, maybe you're in a place where God has promised you something, but it feels like it's too late. Maybe the opportunity passed me by. Let me remind you of some instances that it's never too late. A little girl that Jesus was on his way to heal dies because some woman broke protocol, came into people that she was not supposed to be around, reached for the hem of his garment, got healed, and Jesus stops and starts speaking to her. And during that time, the news comes that do not bother the teacher any longer. Seems like too late. Let him go. Maybe there's someone else who's still alive. But Jesus turns to them and says, do not be afraid. Only believe. He continues to the house where mourners are gathered and he speaks to the little girl, Talita Kau. And immediately she rose up. It wasn't too late. I say it to you today. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Or you, maybe you may feel like the man who was blind from birth. He and others had settled that he would never see. He probably thought that this is how it's been and it will never change. But God 
had other ideas. He stepped onto the scene and changed the narrative and the script. Another widow had a son who had died and they, away to, they were on their way to Glen Forest. They were on their way to Glen Forest, all the uncles and aunties, because remember she was a widow, so on the other side, all of them from the diaspora had arrived. Everybody's crying. Then Jesus wakes, gets there and he, 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 he has compassion on her. And the son is raised from the dead. It seemed like it was too late, but Jesus arrived on their way. And in the Next thing Jesus says, rise up. Imagine the diasporians. Ah. I, I knew we shouldn't have come. Something just told me. You see, you feel like when things happen for you, everyone should be excited, right? So what? people are saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Someone's thinking, ah. My U.S. underspender for the ticket. It's never too late. Think about Lazarus. His sister says, Jesus, had you been here, my brother would not have died. Have you made it on time? When we sent the message, had you come? But you waited how many days? You waited. But she says, even now, I know that God hears you when you pray. And it seemed like Jesus had been dead had been days late to the scene, but when he arrives, he says, right, in the seeming lateness, a great testimony is going to come out of this. A testimony that said, a man that you had buried days ago. So now imagine, this is days later that he's been buried, so all the stuff has been uh, distributed, people have gone home now, people are at work, next thing you're seeing on your WhatsApp group, <laughs> Lazarus, Amuk, Lazarus is alive. Why, how did it happen? Jesus stepped onto the scene. See, there are some people who have written you off, who have decided that this is a lost cause. Apana, this is a lost cause. Nothing can come out of it, but hey, Jesus can just arrive. He will arrive and say, ah, roll the stone. No, it, it stinks. It's okay. <laughs> Has God promised you healing? I want to say to you that God is faithful and dependable and is good for it. He has opened blind eyes, healed lepers, the deaf, dumb, paralyzed, he's removed tumors, cancers, epilepsy, and a whole lot more. As long as it has a name, it is, the sub it is subject to the name that is above all names. He is Jehovah Rapha. He has healed sicknesses that came from birth, sudden sicknesses, 12-year-old sicknesses, even 30-year-old paralysis. He is healed. He has healed them all. He has healed on the Sabbath. He has healed in the temple. He has healed anywhere. And I believe that today, there are some uh, who are about to leave 2019 with the testimony of healing. That God healed me just before the end of the year. God healed me. I was about to leave 2019 sick and maybe headed to the way of all men. But I had an encounter with God on one day. An encounter with God. So I want to pray right now for any who is in here. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to walk around and touch you. Lest you, 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 you put trust in the wrong vessel, in the wrong thing. So if you are sick, put your hand wherever your sickness is. 
Father, you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. The Bible tells us that your hand is not too short that you would fail to heal us. Father, we know that by your stripes we are healed and we know that healing is the children's bread. Now, Father God, I pray for your healing power to move in this place. Your healing power to move in this place. Father, I pray for healings right now in the name of Jesus. Healing, healing, healing in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that from today, a story is changing about how they encountered you as Jehovah Rapha. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to pray for those that are not here but need healing. Father God, the Bible tells us that you sent forth your word and it healed them. We read of a story of a man who declared, you don't have to come to my house, just send forth your word and my servant will be healed. Father, this morning we ask that healing flows to our family, friends, relatives, people we know who are not well today. We pray for a healing, the healing Healing, Lord, healing in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray right now for any respiratory disease to be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray and declare right now for a clearing up in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray right now for any cancer to be removed in the name of Jesus. Shabri askan tarabasa. Jobri askan tarabasa. Father, we pray that there may be cancerous cells that will be removed. Father, any trace, any trace, any trace of this would be removed. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for healing any that may have a blood sickness or an issue with their blood. We thank you right now for your healing power that is flowing throughout, not just here, even to those watching and to our family, relatives, and friends. Father, we thank you. We know that the Bible says, Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart go sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Father, we pray for any that had had their hope concerning healing begin to wane, that was causing a bitterness, a hardness of heart right now. We pray, Father God, that as the healing takes place, a tree of life, a tree of life, a tree of life, a tree of life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your healing power. There is nothing that is too difficult for you. There is no sickness that is beyond you. Ah, In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a, a clap of Okay, so I see you guys are already up here. So, you know, so what are you saying? Good. But we'll conclude very quickly now. So, you have said all these things about how God is faithful and dependable. He has the authority and ability. But how come I'm not seeing the manifestation of the promises. First of all, I want to tell you that as we sang today, just because you don't see it doesn't mean nothing is happening. And then I want to, us to 
I'm going to talk through very quickly of a few reasons that I feel were deposited as I prayed about this. The first one is that we must silence the voices. In Ezekiel 12, 21 to 28, you can go and read that later. It speaks of a time when God would, or rather when there was now a proverb or a saying in the house of Israel in the land that, you know what, there are so many visions, prophecies, but they are prolonged and they fail. Then God comes and says, hey, tell them, I will lay this proverb to rest and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, the days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. Listen to what he says. For no more shall there be any false vision of flattering divination within the house of Israel. See, the problem is that we have too many voices speaking. Too many prophetic voices that we allow to speak. And so what happens is that our faith is then hurt when these voices that are not speaking on behalf of God, the things they say they don't then work. Now when God speaks to us now, we're like, ah. We must develop an ear that hears from God. We must develop an ear so that when external prophetic words come, it is confirmation. Because here's the thing, if you are going to be a prophetic word-based people, oh no, I'm doing this because a word came, I'm doing this because a word came, I'm doing this because a word came, what you're doing is that you're even putting yourself at the mercy of someone's abuse of sadza. There are too many sadza and then they had a dream about you and then you're going to do that. Or their manipulation. Because they can manipulate you because you've got no basis to confirm so we must be careful what voices we allow because they will ultimately hurt us because when you fight based on a prophetic word once, twice, three times and it doesn't happen, you'll get discouraged, right? Hope deferred makes the heart go sick. But when you know that this is my word from God and you, fight, you will keep fighting. The second one is that we must mix the word with faith. Hebrews 4.2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word they had did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Some of our issues are that we become professional sermon hearers. We prefer sermons that are deep, powerful, have got jaw-dropping revelation, so that we can just have a quote, a statement, a tweetable, and you leave with no action. Parable of the sower describes it as that they receive the word with joy and gladness, but it does not take root because they don't enjoy with it. Next time, straight after this service, you may hear someone say something deep in connections and you, you, that's not what you run with. You forget what God has spoken to you during worship. You become almost... We, don't, we, 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 we can get to a place where we don't act enough on what we hear. See, it's not enough to tell a, a preacher after they've preached that the sermon was powerful. It was powerful and then... Put a comma to that. It was powerful and this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. If you just say, oh, wow, 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 what? I mean, imagine if, if, all, if all, just wow. Imagine walking around after you've preached and or in, after some time, all you can see is wow. What, what? Where is the fruit going to come from? Wow doesn't give you fruit. Think about it, the man who was at the pool of Bethesda who was told by Jesus, rise up, pick up your mat and go. When was he healed? When he, was, when he got up or when he was spoken to? 
when he was spoken to, but how many of us could be lying still there? We've been told to get up, but we don't act on it. It's just like, wow. <laughs> Caption, current settings, get up and go. <laughs> we need to change the narrative. We've been waiting for an event or events for too long. See, Jesus, I mean, the Egyptians were told, the Israelites were told that I will not drive them out before you in one year, the enemies were currently occupying the promised land. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little bit, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Too many of us were waiting for the event to say, right, things are now well in Zimbabwe. Then we want to start going, start. no, 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 no. Think about it. If all the enemies of God were to be removed from Zim, all the corruption and all that, and it becomes such a place, the greatest place for investment, as some would say, people pour in their money. What would happen to you and your, your business? While you're having a board meeting to discuss what, how shall we spend this 10,000 US dollars, they make a decision to say, put 10 million more into the plant, and then you... And then now there's jobs, right? Great, we've got jobs. But there are people out there who want to come back home, so they will apply. But they will get those jobs before you because they've got international experience. They will look at you and say, how, how much did you work? You spent two days in fuel queues, two days in a week in fuel queues. There was no power. So in your four years of experience, maybe the experience is actually two. But we are waiting for an event to change things and make it such that, but where, where will we stand? Those are the beasts that could come and take possession of us, that would come and suppress and oppress us. Wow. I don't know. The Bible says, judge everything, said, please judge that part properly. Because that's my own, uh, maybe it's my own personal encouragement, that I, the way I look at things. The narrative has to change from survival to progress right now. Too many of us are saying, as long as I survive this time, when things change, I'll be okay. Hey, why, why can't you progress? Jacob was given a strategy to progress even at that time. I think our narrative needs to change and say, you know what, even in famine, I will prosper. Isaac prospered in the land of famine. He didn't wait and say, I've got my seed ready for when it begins to rain. I've got my seed ready. No, no, no. He prospered even in that land. Hey. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's make this the last one. Fortunately, we'll make this the last one. Proverbs 26, 13 to 16 says, The lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. A lot of time we think about lazy people as people that just sleep, don't do anything, are not motivated. But here's someone who claims there's a, there's a lion in the road. It's considered lazy. There are no jobs out there. I don't think there are no jobs. I think there are some jobs, not just not many jobs. Because employment agencies are open and new ones are opening. Who are they employing if there are no jobs? There's, a, there's no jobs. So I will, I will just wait. No, 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 there are some jobs. I remember a time when we started talking about this at the UZ and we said, no, 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 guys, they're, 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 jobs are there. There are few, but they're there. And let's pray and believe that the people that are involved with Campus Ignite, the user, will not struggle for jobs. And seeing them now in the places that they occupy and the jobs they get, I think within months, a lot of them will testify, I've got a job. I've gotten a job. I've gotten a job. In a place, they chose to ignore the headlines and go for truth. 
As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so a lazy person turns over in bed, just swinging on the door. This is a lack of enthusiasm, energy because of circumstances. The worries of life has brought a lethargy on us that has caused us to wait and be inactive and become hopeless. Now we are having to deal with things like depression and suicide in greater levels. Lazy people take food in their hand but won't lift it to their mouth. We are lazy if we start things we don't finish. How many starts have you been given? Do people start? How, many capi- how much capital injection have you been given and you start? Maybe the product is lying in your bedroom or in the storeroom or under your bed. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Going at it alone is another form of laziness. Think about that. A lazy person considers themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Not admitting you need help from counselors. That is pride and is a form of laziness. It's better to walk on water and sink and have Jesus stretch out his hand because you know what? After that you know that he saves rather than just sitting in the boat and just say, Ah, Peter sank. Be the one they will, you, that they speak about rather. So let's skip, 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 skip and let's conclude. So God is faithful and he's dependable. And he has the authority and the ability. I believe that right now heaven is looking for those that will believe, align themselves with God and begin to act on it. And as you do that, expect the backing of heaven, expect his grace, his divine enablement to cause things to happen in your favor. Expect a sudden turn, a sudden good break, a breakthrough. Expect a renewal of energy, for they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not, they shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.